Hello, friends, and welcome to Mayday Plays Beam Saber, a mini campaign that we have titled Godzilla King of the Cosmos. You heard that right. The G Man is here in the house. <laughs> Beam Saber is a hack of the Blades in the Dark system, and normally kaiju aren't a big part of the vanilla setting. But we're mixing things up here and we are combining fandoms. We're hoping to bring in the TTRPGers, the Godzilla fans, the mecha fans, all into one big beautiful soup. Speaking of beautiful soup, uh, my name is Sergio. <laughs> and I will be your game master. What I meant to say is with me are some of the finest actual play personalities on the internet that I know of at least. I'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves and where they can be found. Hi, I'm Daryl. Uh, I am also a part of this beautiful soup, apparently. I'm, a, I'm Sergio as well because I'm a beautiful soup. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Underscore Daryl Dorsey. Also on Twitch at Daryl Sucks at Gaming. Uh, that is suck spelled S-U-X. Uh, I'm also the storyteller for the Fang, the current storyteller for the Fan Game Podcast. Uh for, with our current chronicle of Va Vampire by Night, San Diego. <laughs> Wait, Vampire by Night? Vampire the Masquerade, San Diego by Night. Words are hard. It's oh, all yeah. a soup. And I'm going to kick it off to the next person because it's getting weird now. <laughs> all right. Godzilla soup number two. Um, hi, I'm Allison. I am uh, on the internet as Insight Checked. You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, all the other places. Uh, I run, play, and produce, and now write uh, TTRPG stuff. So follow me, and we'll have some fun. Thanks for having me. It's good soup. <laughs> Hello, I'm the garnish to the soup. I'm Zach. You can find me everywhere it matters at Zach the Drac, Z-A-K-T-H-E-D-R-A-K. I am here playing pretend with my friends, and I also draw pictures that end up in the games we play sometimes. Very good. Hello, I'm Caleb James Miller. I am the meaty, overdeveloped broth of this soup. Uh, I am the uh, another member of Mayday, and I am the storyteller to our Vampire the Masquerade setting called Vegas by Night, which will be entering its second season very soon. And I'm just so excited to kill Godzilla. It's about fucking time, folks. He has been a menace for too long, and we're going to put a bullet straight through his head. Unpossible. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you new to our channel, we specialize in actual play content that is character-driven and pushes the limits of what an actual play can be. So please consider liking and subscribing or leaving a positive review on iTunes or Spotify. Those small gestures go a long way to helping us grow. And if you really love what we're doing here, there is always our Patreon, where for as little as $2 a month, you can receive a ton of behind-the-scenes and extended bonus content for this and all of our other shows. Another way you can show your love is by entering our Beam Saber contest. We will be running three contests. All that you have to do is tweet about the game. Make sure to add us at Mayday Roleplay and state what you like about the show. Which character is your favorite? What was your favorite moment? Maybe you have a favorite mechanic and beam saber that you want to gloat about or maybe blaze in the dark system in general. Whatever you want to say, just add us. Mention your favorite part and you are officially entered. What is the prize, you say? Well, 
uh, I was able to convince the creator of Beam Saber, Austin Ramsey, to give me a bunch of itch.io downloads of Beam Saber. That's a $30 value, completely free, and all you have to do is talk about the show on the internet. How hard can that be, right? Are we allowed to enter? No, you're not allowed to enter. Uh, hey. Well, this is bullshit, and I quit the game, so... Hey, you can't blame a hustler for trying to hustle, all right? We all have our ghost accounts. We'll be fine. I, I just love the idea that someone who wins the sweepstakes might then go on to kill Godzilla themselves. Like, that's just... It's, we're propagating the, the belief system. As a content warning... Viewer discretion is advised. You're going to see a lot of mech on kaiju violence and the exploration of darker themes along with some adult language. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's begin our game. Since the 1950s, mankind has been waging a losing war against the atomic tyrant known as Godzilla. Where Godzilla tread uninhabitable, irradiated wastelands are left behind, and where humanity meets him in combat, only deserts of glass remain. In time, the ecology of our world collapsed, nations ended, and society changed. The remnants of mankind had no choice but to flee high into the most remote mountain regions of the world, dragging whatever advanced technology they could to survive. In North America, built within the Rocky Mountains, lies a city known as Altatopia. And it is here where we sharpened our blades and swore revenge. Godzilla was drawn to nuclear power, so we developed fusion. The nearly limitless supply of energy produced an abundance of advanced military and robotic technology. Though Godzilla could not reach us in the mountains, it didn't stop him from trying. And so, a force of mechanized monsters of our own were designed to fight him back, known as the Mecha. The brave people who trained to use these complex machines of war came to be known as jockeys, these jockeys were organized into a special military unit called G-Force. Their objective? To distract and divert Godzilla long enough for Altatopia to enact the Great Plan, a multi-generational project to build habitable spaceships that we could use to flee our dying Earth and find a new home. The year is 2024, and the Great Plan is nearly at its end. Most of humanity has been shipped off-world to the spaceship Stratos. 
All that remains in Altatopia is the military force required to finalize the last steps of ascension. Suddenly, red warning lights flash across Altatopia, indicating that Godzilla has made landfall. At any other time, a squad of Mecha would be sent to fight and meet him, but the order is not given. The only remaining squad left behind, calling themselves Last Flag, are instructed to stand down for now. This is Godzilla, King of the Cosmos. It's been a few hours since the alarm sounded about Godzilla's landfall, but still there are no commands from the summit. We begin in the hangar bay of the battleship Gotengo, which is Last Flag's forward operating base, where G-Force maintains their mecha. Here, deep inside the mountains, it is cold, and so warm air must be filtered in using the machinery. An LED representation of the day sky illuminates the sky or the space from above. On the floor of the hangar bay, there is an unusual amount of people. A crowd has gathered. Many of them are wearing cameras and lights and audio gear that fits on their heads or their shoulders or their arms. These are the journalists of the future, members of the Cognistry, Altatopia's version of the internet. They've gathered for an unusual press conference in the center of this hangar, where there is a man that stands in the center of this crowd. Caleb, can you introduce us to your character, including their call sign, and why have they called this press conference? Yeah, yeah, I can. Um, <laughs> this is Roosevelt Freeman, uh, and his call sign is Mayor. Uh, he stands at uh, six foot one, um, wiry and thin. Uh, he he's strong for his age, as he's approaching probably uh, his middle fifties, if not those early fifties. He is um, tall and tanned, uh, a shock of silver hair that is neatly tied back, uh, you, you know, parted to the left and, and very um, politically appropriate. A big, tidy mustache um, that he has been told many times before to shave for his image and never once has. Uh, you can see that he has uh, an odd tan on his neck where uh, maybe he's used to wearing a helmet and this portion of his skin gets much more uh, sun than the rest of him. He's wearing an entire uh, Canadian tuxedo, denim on denim, with a big belt, huge buckle in the center. And that buckle is a car in mid-skid. Um, he's wearing a deep-throated white dress shirt underneath that's shown some old man chest hair. Uh, a real like Robert Redford type um, in these wing-tipped uh, big cowboy boots that have been tucked under the jeans, a very large cowboy hat that he never seems to wear. He only seems to hold to the front of his chest as if he's posing for the cameras at all times. And he's, he's handling the crowd already, his arms outstretched. Uh, uh, he's already grinning like an idiot and bringing everybody in as he's approaching uh, what is essentially the, the press conference dais. Uh, and you'll notice that his denim jack, jacket uh, on one side along his entire right arm is sponsored. There are maybe 14 different patches of brands, uh, some of them long dead as the earth is dead. 
but uh, Roosevelt is still repping the game, hoping those those checks will come in. He was thinking that everyone would already be here, whether he called it or not. But just so, on the anniversary of his last press conference, he is called the second, hoping that it will be equally as famous as his first. Um, and, and he takes his place in, in the press conference. Well, obviously, the press are there thinking that you're going to say something about this uh, this warning signal, this this alarm that has been raised about Godzilla's landfall, and yet you have not been deployed. So, obviously, they are throwing out questions like, what's going on, Mayor? What's the reason, Roosevelt? Listen, listen, all this is going to be answered. You just got to give me the time to get through it. I know that we're in a state of duress. I know that right now we're concerned. What, what happens next? We're going, Mayor? How are we going to solve this some bit? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Well, I got an answer for you. I know what you're wondering. And yes, I am here to announce the ending to my retirement and my return to the fold. And yes, I am here to declare my shot like Babe Ruth to the top of those f***ing stands. I am here to tell you all that I have come to kill Godzilla. I will take all questions now. There's obviously an eruption with the the uh, press. Uh, oh my gosh, he's coming back. He's back for the second time. One of them yells out, um, the G-alarm has been signaled, but Last Flag hasn't gone out to face off with Godzilla. Is G-Force giving up? I don't know. We're not talking about that right now. We're talking about my retirement. I don't know if you heard. I'm coming back to kill Godzilla. Next question. Someone else says, Mayor, is it true that Last Flag has been assigned to stay back on Altatopia for a top secret mission? Uh, if that's true, I haven't read the memos yet. I just touched down. Again, if we could just focus. I came out of retirement, folks. If we could focus on that. There's one of the press guys. He's got this big metal helmet with goggles that are cameras, two different camera lenses for on his eyes. And he says, what do you think will happen to Godzilla once humanity leaves Earth? Well, he... I don't know. Okay, so folks, I feel like we're getting a little off track here. I think you'd know the answer to that question. I'm going to kill this some. Uh, there, there is not going to be anything for Godzilla after humanity leaves Earth, except for me driving my boot through his skull. Okay. So go ahead, and ask me that question again. We'll, we'll take it again, like you heard me the first time. Yeah. Uh, listen, Godzilla is going down, folks. I, I know what this is like. I know that we're scared right now. I know that we're we're dreaming of days long past, uh, of saying hello to your neighbor, of shaking the paper boy's hand, of going down to the soda fountain for an egg cream. But we are in a state where Godzilla has stolen all of that from us. And I am going to be the one to take it back because once he dies, the world we missed, the democracy we loved, and the humanity and brotherhood that came together when we had no giant lizard here will be restored. Maybe it's because the press have heard this story before. We're going to get them this time. But they kind of slowly just stop paying attention to you. And... Little by little, they start migrating away from the dais. Uh, uh, the, the car is coming. The car is coming back. I, I'm gonna be. I got my old sponsors. We built a brand new mech. Ah. Oh shit! As the crowd separates, there's one person that's left, and you recognize immediately that they are a representative of the summit. Oh 
finely dressed in a white uniform and they approach you and they hand you some kind of letter. Is this for me? Yes, sir. Official business. Straight from the top, huh? From the tippy top. And he opens it right there in front of him. Starts reading it out loud. Let's move away from Mayor for a moment. Because standing silently behind Mayor and this kind of circus that he was wrangling (laughs) are the stoic mecca of Last Flag. Their fusion reactors are being refueled, their weapons refined, and their paint jobs retouched by the engineers of the Gotengo. As the sparks of plasma torches working on their chassis fall to the ground, someone is rising, climbing one of the mecha. Zek, can you introduce us to your character, including their call sign, and what are they doing? Yes, so this is Sabi Russo, call sign Ruse. Uh, they are slowly climbing one of the more uh, personified mechs, like clearly legs and arms and chest, uh, with a, a camera strapped to their forehead. Um, they, have, they have white tattoos all over their body um, and uh, very, very short red hair. And I think either like some sort of like facial apparatus for the camera to sit on or like a gas mask. There's always something sitting on them. And I think they have like cybernetic braces. Seeing and hearing that there was some kind of commotion behind them on the ground, they are somewhat whispering, uh, but they are climbing and just talking through their, their climbing process to the probably 15 people watching their live stream uh, as they climb. So guys, what was really important about this step was I put my foot here and you see that they have the the, um, the toe shoes <laughs> that they climb in. Put my foot in here, that was a mistake. Covered in grease, never again. And we learn from our mistakes. And they just keep climbing and climbing. Just keep hitting that, that like button, guys. I really appreciate it. Everyone take a deep breath. And they're getting tired. <laughs> Eventually they'll turn and look and you'll see the, the press conference from the bird's eye view. I don't, I don't know what that is. But you know, not everything's for us to even know. And they go back to climbing. <laughs> is there a particular mecca that you are climbing? I think it might be um, theirs, but I don't think they want to like disclose that information. <laughs> I see. But it is this extremely like reflective crystal-looking mech. Like no armor, just just form, just human form. Nice. Most of the chat that you can see in your AR AR goggles. Uh, is saying things like, you know, set off the rockets. Let's see what the bunker busters do. You know, they're asking Mm. you to jump in and use your mecha. That's not about the weapons. Everyone wants to see a big boom, okay? It's about the process. Just enjoy the climb, guys, the climb. Speaking of the climb, let's have you just kind of do a uh, action roll to see how well you can do this climb. Maybe make a finesse roll. I've immediately pictured my character falling off in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> ah. That's why I've asked for backup characters for everyone. <laughs> okay, I've rolled I've rolled a 2. Okay. You do fall. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
you you kind of reach the top. You feel like you you've you've mastered this climb, and you just you know you step in a, a little bit of grease or something that was left behind by an engineer, and you just start tumbling down. Your foot gets caught, and you kind of fall backwards just before you land on the ground. Feels like you maybe pulled something. I won't say that you are injured, but you certainly are in a compromising, uncomfortable position, and you realize that you are, you know, five feet from the ground, and there is somebody standing in front of you, someone in a nice, tailored uh, military suit, someone that reminds you of someone that works for the summit. Uh, that whole way down, the cool persona is gone. They release an unholy amount of profanity and terrible words. <laughs> I will make clear to everyone that one of the most popular curse words in our world is skronk, which is the sound that Godzilla good, makes. Good, good. So you may use skronk in place of any curse word you like. Okay, skronk and ropes had it all checked out. They cover these things in grease. And uh, the, the camera just shows them looking up at their foot tangled in that thing. And they look to the person. Can I help you? They reach their hand out and they cover the camera with their hand. And they say, Sabi, the summit needs to speak to you. Oh, right. Well, that'll do it for today, folks. I'll see you at the same time next week. Clicks the camera off. Can can we do this? Do you happen to have a, a knife on you? I don't like to carry weapons. Yeah, I always carry a knife. And they, they, they go to start helping you get out of the, <laughs> the piece of mecha machinery that you're stuck in. Thank you. We pull out from the hangar bay to another part of Altatopia, maybe a more industrial, commercial side to Altatopia. Again, everything is underground. Everything is devoid of sunlight or windows to see the outside world. And in this more commercial part of town, there is a facility whose entire purpose is to apply something called the ruse test to jockeys. The ruse test is a kind of psych evaluation in which all G-Force members are uh, made to go through to ensure that they are fit for duty, that they are not suffering from ARC, which is known as Augmented Reality Confusion. Here, pacing outside of the main test chamber, is an officer. Daryl, can you introduce yourself, uh, introduce your character, their call sign, and what do they seem so concerned about? Ty Walton is about late 30s, early 40s, uh, still in very good shape. Um, he does not dress like the typical officer. He usually is found in an all-black uh, flight suit, futuristic, uh, as is the, uh, the setting. But he also always wears, over top of that, a uh, very obvious, hey, I'm different from the other officers type of jacket very anime style where it's the like the, the collar is always popped um, it is a dark green and it has this call sign which is the judge written on it and on the back it uh, it is Lady Justice but she's pulling down the uh, the blindfold and, it, and over the back it says Justice is blind but I'll still see you <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, shit. and uh in his lapel, he do, he has those uh, dark black circular glasses that are mirrored, and he's pacing back and forth because someone that he 
really wants to pass the ruse test, is currently taking it, and he's hoping that the wheels he's greased to make sure that said test is passed will come to fruition. Because if not, he's going to have to talk to somebody. And you don't want me mm. to talk to you, because then the judge has to come out, and when the judge comes out, well, that's when the law has to be put down. <laughs> and that's kind of what he's muttering to himself under his... Mm. Like, he's kind of practicing an entire spiel that he would give to someone, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> like, you, you don't want to see, because then the judge has to come out. <laughs> the judge comes out, then the law has to be put down. And you don't want the law to be put down. <laughs> As you are practicing, the waiting room has the latest ultimate tag tournament on the Cognostream. But it, you know, you don't pay it any mind. You're not paying attention to those kinds of things right now. A man walks into the space. It is your superior officer, mm -hmm. a Weasley looking man whose call sign is Peaches. Yes. He approaches you and he says, uh, So. How's she doing? Well, currently, I don't know. That's why I was pacing so far. Oh, I forget. He looks and he looks around and goes, oh, and he salutes. <laughs> Peaches, you know, goes through the motions as well. And he mm -hmm. says, look, uh, I'm here to give you a little bit of a heads up. Okay. There, uh, you know, this delay in response to Godzilla mm. making landfall. Yeah. Well, I think it's because the summit is planning something big, very hush hush. But the other squads are in orbit. So... I dropped last flag into the bucket. I think there's like a 99% chance you're going to be chosen. All right? all right. So don't be surprised if someone comes to escort you in like, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. Should I act surprised though? Or should I? Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. You don't want it to seem like I've already warned you. Well, I'm an officer. It should also, it should seem like, oh, of course. I, I mean, I have to, I have a thing. I have a whole thing. Come on, man. I have to act like I'm in charge. Like I know. I, I, okay, I won't make it seem like I knew you were coming, but I'll but I'll do it in a whole like a uh, uh, oh, I thought you might. Of course you would come. I do it like that. Like a judge. Pull. Look, listen. This is big. Okay, you pull this off. You pull this mission off. This could mean promotion for everyone, including me. So this gets us one step closer into the summit. That's what we both want, right? Look, you've been good to me. I've been good to you. I will make sure you get that promotion. Okay, 20 minutes, act, act shocked, but not too shocked because it's still me. This is why you're my man, Ty, because I know you're going to be able to pull it off. Keep those other jockeys in line. I'm going to make it do what it do, baby. All right. <laughs> so listen, you sure brain is worth all this trouble? Uh, I've heard she thinks she's some kind of, she's got some kind of connection with Godzilla. That's, that's pretty scrunk and weird, right? It could be scrunk and weird, but 50-50 is still... It's better odds than what we've had before. I'd rather have that 50 on my side than against. Fair enough. All right, good luck. Oh, and then, he, and then once again, he he looks around and just, just, just gives a salute just in case. <laughs> Judge, you did mention that you were hoping to grease the wheels where you could to help. Mm -hmm. uh, your fellow jockey. I'm going to ask you to make some kind of action roll where you think it would be appropriate. I have two dots and some sway. I'm going to roll them individually. That's a two. All right, here. That's a two. 
You can, if you'd like, try to push yourself in this instance. You can either choose a collateral die in which I will give you a free die in exchange for agreeing to a consequence, or you can try to push yourself. I'll uh, take the collateral die and just I'll agree to a to a consequence later on. What will that consequence be? Well, I've greased greased the wheels. (laughs) I've bribed someone definitely. I think the collateral die, well, that's, yeah, that's going to come back to bite you. Somebody's going to find out about that. I'm a jockey. <laughs> that's the attitude I like it from. I'm a jockey and an officer. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, even if they were to say something, everyone else is already gone. <laughs> and that's what I'm betting on right now. It's just like, everyone else is gone. We're the only ones here now. This is Vietnam, baby. It's Vietnam. <laughs> Oh my god, another two. (laughs) All right. I like the start of our game so far. This is going to be interesting. So, Ty, uh, you are usually very good at greasing the wheels, but this time, for some reason, maybe it's that everyone's distracted by the the low number of people in Altatopia, or maybe maybe people just aren't as receptive right now. Doesn't work. I'm going to say that, Allison, your character does not have any extra advantages as you begin to speaking of inside the control room of the ruse facility there is a solitary woman in this holographic projection room allison can you introduce us to your character including their call sign and why are you here this is carol brain worth she is a pilot on the squad about 55 years old uh, she is kind of medium height, like medium build, but appears very like wiry in her movements. Um, short, shorn hair that's very tousled, feathered, kind of harshly cut at, at various angles. Um, she has a pronounced scar on her nose running down her cheeks from where her visor kind of crunched into her uh mid half of her face uh, in an accident at one point and it's left a divot uh, there. She um, is dressed in mostly her her pilot's clothes, um, but some civilian clothes, like she kind of mismatched the outfit a bit. Lots of pockets and things on the pieces of clothing that are hers. She's standing there, her eyes kind of darting to and fro. This is yet another ruse test. She's come to know them well and never seems to get a good feeling like she's doing well on them, given the fact that they call her back in quite regularly. This mechanical arm descends from the ceiling, and it has these six kind of silver plates on them, and they're laid out in front of you, floating in the air. The plates all move at once, and there are six images on these plates. And you understand that part of the ruse test is to memorize these images and to recite them uh, in the flash uh, you know, of, of one or two seconds that you see them. Could I ask you to make a study roll to see how well you can maintain your memory of these items? All right. It's a five. You are able to recite what you see. Uh, a banana with sunglasses, a rubber chicken, a UFO shaped like a rubber duck, a fuzzy dice, a disco dancing llama. And then you see one of them and you kind of stutter for a moment. It's an image of Godzilla. Do you say the word or do you 
say something else. I think her brain says to say Godzilla. And she opens her mouth and she just says, Gronk! There is this moment in the in the room where there is silence and then a like you've gotten a, a, a thing wrong. And when the plates all flip back around, you realize it wasn't Godzilla. It was a cupcake. And before you can process the fact that you're possibly seeing Godzilla, the machine goes back up into the ceiling. And that's when you realize, you hear the sound. There are two large metallic objects, almost like big mallets, swinging in your direction. You remember that this part of the test, one of those is probably not real, probably augmented reality. I need you to make a survey roll to see if you can determine which one you should avoid. I have two for this. That's a six and a four, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Six is a success. You step to the side and you can see that one of them is about to strike you. But as it does, it goes right through you, just like any kind of augmented reality. Then you hear a bing, like you passed the test. I'm catching up. I'm catching up. You are celebrating your victory when some kind of shadow begins to creep past you and fill the space, some kind of enormous shadow that is behind you. Oh gosh, yeah. She turns around, pivots on her foot, and like she would be jumping into the cockpit of her mech and kind of makes those motions, grabs at the invisible controls where they would be and yells, I see you, I see you, as she's backing up. You are in the cockpit, but it is low to the ground and you look up and you see a a, a city skyline, one that maybe existed long before the fall of mankind. And there walking past you is Godzilla except he's wearing a printed shirt, not too dissimilar to the one I'm wearing, and he's got a pina colada in his hand. And it looks like he's moving towards the ocean. And as he walks by the buildings, he knocks over debris, you know, big chunks of the building, and they begin to fall. I'm gonna ask you to make a hunt roll to determine if you can evade this debris, because it starts feeling like a video game where you just kind of have to hop out of the way. Ugh, one and a two. I think in this moment, she is recalling the conversation she had with Ty before this, and she doesn't want to let him down, so she will definitely push herself. So that's too stressed to me. And you can uh, can take uh, uh, an additional die. All right. Oh, there is one. It's a six. Amazing. This is why we push ourselves. (laughs) So you are able to kind of dodge out of the way. And and some of these turn out to be kind of big um, uh, styrofoam type blocks that seem to be be shooting out of a machine that is up in the ceiling. So some of them are real, but you are able to dodge all of them. And when the test ends, you look down at the wreckage around you and you see that there is one victim. It is your mother. She is crushed under the rubble and she's reaching her hand out to you, calling your name. What do you do? In this, in my mental space, am I still in my mech or am I Carol on the ground? At this point, your mech has faded away and it's just you and the street and your mother. I think Carol would move forward, but she's a little hesitant. She reaches her hand out 
but doesn't get too close. And like, instead of like reaching her hand to grasp her mother's hand, she like then points at her and says, you died. Carol, I'm going to ask that you make an engineer roll, which will determine whether you can free your mother from the rubble. Uh, what happens if I have no dots in something? If you have no dots, you'll roll two die and take the lower number. Uh, I'll take the four. Okay. You are able to find a, a, a lead pipe and you jam it under the rubble and you just begin to lift it up. And you reach in and, and, and you know this isn't your mother, but, but something about this is compelling you to move forward. And as you start to pull her out, she says, Carol, you must, you must remember. The ruse test is a mandatory examination offered to all jockeys. This concludes your test. And she begins to fade away. Uh, uh, I hate when they do that. Carol, I will say that you passed the ruse test. You succeeded on at least three of these, uh, I think all four of them, in fact. Uh, you may have only, I think you failed maybe one of them. But anyway, the point is, is the majority has proven that you are still a capable jockey. Carol is overjoyed. She has that sense of relief that floods you after you take a difficult test that you've been studying for. And she, like a student, immediately forgets everything that she studied for, negating pretty much any benefit that it would have awarded her of, of checking in with her sanity. She immediately just starts to go, Skrunk and yes, Skrunk! I did it. I did it. Ty's going to be so happy. I did it. And sure enough, you wander out to the waiting room where Ty is waiting for you. And she'll be talking to herself matching Ty, <laughs> probably also still talking to himself. I did it. Gotta tell Ty. As soon as I see you, I immediately just go to leaning on the wall like I wasn't pacing. <laughs> Ty, it's over. I did it. I passed. There was never a doubt in my mind that you would, dearie. Oh, well, I doubted it quite, quite a bit. My dead mom was there, again. But, I got her this time, though. But you passed. You passed. I knew you would. I'm sane. As you are <laughs> celebrating, the two of you, a man in a crisp white uniform walks up and gestures to you both that he has letters. And he says, Judge, Brain, the Summit would like to speak to you. I am incredibly shocked. What does that mean? That I'm shocked. Also, we're the only jackets left. Of course, they don't want to talk to us. Come on, man. Reporting for duty. I'm on duty still. Hmm. He salutes you and goes his merry way. Does this officer outrank me? I don't think I have to salute him if he doesn't. <laughs> this officer works as a representative for the summit. So in a way, he does outrank you. Yes. I give him the a lackluster one, but it's still there. We will all convene together in the hangar bay. I think Carol would go back to her bunk and cut out any articles that have come out in recent publications of Godzilla, like carefully cut those pictures out and tape them to the top bunk above hers to the to add to the collage that exists up there already. In celebration of Brady actually getting this, passing this test, he gets a jacket very much like his, his, his self. He has one made for everyone, but currently Brady is the one he, Brady is the one that's getting it. 
uh, and it has it's just like his, but in a different. What it? What would you say is a uh, brand's favorite color? Mm, probably green. Yeah, he would get a. <laughs> he gets it in the exact same way as his. Then <laughs> uh, it has your call sign on the front and on the and on the back. It just says, uh, "Never underestimate the power of a brand." With a with a big thinking brain on top of it. That's awesome. Yes. Roosevelt Ruse, anything you guys do to get prepared as you now understand you have a meeting with the summit? I think Roosevelt's going straight too because he's a little upset that everyone wasn't super hyped. He came back like that, so he's, he's trying to prove him wrong. He's trying to win him back by being that. You know, you know, let's just get this done. Yeah, yeah. I think Ruse just goes just goes straight to it and is kind of embarrassed about falling off the mech still. So, <laughs> yeah. I show up with a bag in my hand, <laughs> and Brady's and Brady is wearing a matching jacket to mine. <laughs> You all leap into this personal vehicle, which leads you to the far end of Altatopia, where there is the peak of a mountain. You get out of the vehicle and are escorted to an elevator, a private elevator that no one uh, without very specific permission is allowed to enter. And that elevator begins to rise. You feel it. You, there are no windows to see, but your ears eventually pop and you know that you are heading to the highest point in Altatopia, one of the peaks of the Rocky Mountains. The elevator doors open and you are greeted with the sight of a massive room carved out of the rock. On the far end of the room is a 20 by 40 foot tall window that stretches the span of the wall and offers a stunning view of the Rocky Mountains and the shoreline of irradiated earth that stretches all the way to the horizon. In the center of this room is two large rounded tables in which 10 people, five on each side, are standing or sitting, all of them in some kind of heated debate. There is a thin curved LED light that hangs above the table, illuminating their faces. And you can see that most of them are over the age of 50, both men and women. Some of them are so old that their vitals are being maintained by machinery that is attached to them. As you adjust to this dramatic setting, you come in and your ears adjust and you can kind of understand what is being discussed. One of the men who has a healthy gray beard and his chest is decorated in medals, seems to be somewhat of a leader, calls out to the other members saying, Regardless of Godzilla's natural state, be it biological or other, one thing is true. He has always reacted to our ordinance. He is corporeal, therefore the zero beam can work against him. And another older man, a little more wiry, stands up and says, The cannon relies on too many theoretical probabilities. Dr. Serizawa's plan can only work if Godzilla's nature functions in multiple dimensions. We have no way of knowing that. And another member of the summit stands, this time a woman, stately and matronly. And she says, Might I remind you all that this sort of conjecture is still considered dissidence against Altotopia? And just as they are about to erupt again into more arguing, Peaches, who is waiting for you, gives a cough. <coughs> and that's when the group notices you all. The arguments cease. 
The uniforms are straightened as to give the appearance of control, and you are invited in. You know that the summit is the sole governing body of Altatopia, and they rule with impunity. Their word is law. And though their identities are kept largely hidden from the public, you know that most of them are retired jockeys who prove their might and their skill and now serve humanity as its leaders. You are led onto a platform not too dissimilar to the one that Roosevelt was on earlier. You are in the center between these two tables that are acting like ellipses around you. And everywhere you look, the summit is sizing you up. Ladies and gentlemen of the summit. <laughs> Very much like he's addressing a jury. Now, I'm just a simple jockey. A humble officer. And I have the divine pleasure of serving with one of the finest groups of jockeys. Finest. The finest. Thank you, Brady. We are last flag. The man who you kind of first heard, the man with the beard, he's he's standing before you. And you can see now in the light, you can read his lapel and it reads wildfire. And he says, last flag. You have all done an admirable job of maintaining Altatopia's safety in the final weeks before Ascension. I congratulate you. The summit commends you. And your reputations precede you. We hope that it will lend itself to our most recent cause. As you are aware, Godzilla has made landfall several hours ago. We have decided to offer you one more on-world mission. We want you to be the first squad in G-Force to successfully capture Godzilla. What is everyone's reaction to that statement? I think that Roosevelt was so hyped except for the very last word. Like, everything was leading up to exactly what he wanted until it comes crashing down that we're going to save this thing, that we're going to keep it, that we're... He needed that big K word and he didn't get it. So he's visibly upset, like probably even kicks the floor like he's a toddler and hitches his thumbs into his belt and, you know, kind of throws one shoulder at the summit like he's been slighted by that phrase. My glasses were still on and I immediately just look between everyone in my crew and just give the hope. <laughs> like, I just look around like, that's the most I give. It's just, a, I, it looks like I'm checking their reaction, but it's very much a, what the fuck did he just say? <laughs> but I don't say it out loud. Yeah, now that the two people that usually are loud first have expressed being upset, I think Sabi is, uh, immediately is like, if we say the wrong thing, this is gonna fuck all of this up. When you say capture, and I think Sabi's eyes get really big, like, can you can you be with me here, please? When you say capture, does it matter if it's um, just humor me if it's alive or not? I can't go into too much detail with you all, as this mission is classified quantum tier. Therefore, I cannot move forward without guaranteeing that you are all committed to the task. If successful, you will be promoted and eligible to lead squads of your own. Perhaps one day you can even find yourself with the honor of serving on the summit. But I'm going to need a yes or a no. 
Seeing as we're the only jockeys left, I guess that, that answers your question right there. Excellent. Would you like something to drink? Whiskey. Double. And also for Roosevelt. Triple. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Ty. You read my mind. You know that alcohol is rare to come by in Altatopia, but there is a small bar in which one of the summit leaders goes and pours you some drinks. This is another woman that walks up, hands you two glasses, and you can see on her lapel it reads Condor. Wildfire continues, though. Well, let's get to it. As part of the great plan, we developed and launched a satellite array separate from those that helped us establish the orbiting platforms that Stratos are, is currently docked at. Uh, you see a holographic projection of several satellites being launched out of the Earth's atmosphere appear above your head. And you see them settling into orbit around the planet. We have come to dub this array CABS, Cannon Array Zero Beam. Mm. Its capabilities are producing a concentrated beam of high-frequency sound waves that can be directed at the surface of the Earth. Its effect reduces the target's mass to zero, a kind of anti-gravity that also renders the target inanimate. We would like to use the Zero Beam Array to freeze Godzilla and extract him from the atmosphere. He will then be housed in the array until further notice. Wildfire presses another button on the table and the projection changes. Now it's a render of North America, and you can see a Godzilla-shaped blip moving inland. It's made it past California, moving into Arizona. Its projected coordinates lead a dotted line directly to Altatopia, and there is a timer of 12 hours counting down. A second dotted line perpendicular to Godzilla intersects with his path in about four hours. Cab's telemetry will cross paths with Godzilla soon, and unless he is corralled, we will lose our opportunity to test the array. Your mission is to assault Godzilla and keep him occupied in the same place long enough for the array to lock onto his coordinates. If the array works, Godzilla's mass will reach zero, and the natural inertia of the Earth will propel him from the planet's surface, attracted by the artificial gravity produced by the Zero Cannon. Ty puts up a finger. Have you put forth any, safety, any safeguards for us, the jockeys, that will be in the way of said being? The woman who spoke earlier, uh, who was kind of debating amongst everybody, you can see on her lapel it reads Viper. And she kind of walks a little bit around the dais, looking you all up and down, and she says, Just another day being a jockey. So you want us to take this Ronald Reagan Star Wars scrunk sh shoot it square into Godzilla's eye, take him to a mass of zero, and then just flood him to space? For those of you who are capable of flying, yes, we would like you to follow the creature into orbit to ensure that he makes it safely to the zero beam array. However, you won't need to fire it. We will be controlling the firing. Your only job is to distract him and keep him there long enough. You said this thing makes him inanimate, though. He won't be capable of moving. He'll be paralyzed to a certain effect. 
We don't quite understand the technology. It's quite experimental. Uh, Dr. Serizawa, I explained, uh, was the one who invented it. But as far as we understand, it produces these sound waves which cause instability on an atomic level, and anything caught within the beam is made unstable. A kind of feedback loop keeps the target in a sort of stasis, neither dead or alive, simply trapped. So we got Schrodinger's Godzilla trapped in the middle of the sky, and our thought is to capture him? Not to put an end to him while he can't move? Where is the, the, the smarts? Where is the brains? And he points straight at Carol. Um, and keeping that up in the sky and not bombing him with every last thing we got. Why are you keeping him here? Why are you taking him to the array when we could kill him right there? Viper continues her walk around the room and she says, Mayor, look at Altatopia. 99% of its resources are recycled materials. Humanity has lost too much to let anything go to waste. Leaving Godzilla behind would be the most wasteful thing we could do. He is, after all, the most powerful weapon we have ever come across. And we've been so busy fighting this weapon, we haven't considered its other applications. How he can be used to benefit mankind. B benefit? Speaking of waste, we... Okay, so we, we... We put it where it needs to be and you fire the shot. First, what happens if you miss? If we miss, there will be a small amount of destruction, but it won't be earth-shattering. We'll simply have to try again. And how long will that take? A full rotation of the orbital ray. So we're just going to have a big gun in space, empty and public, for a year. I want all of you to know that we asked you here to see if you are up to the mission, not to debate the moral validity of our decisions. This is what we want you to do. If you cannot do it, we'll find another squad capable. Well, I'm not debating morals here. The last thing I'm going to debate is morality. When you present it like, hey, we're going to sacrifice you and it's your fucking pleasure, you get it, right? You understand. Switch spots with us. We have all been in your place, Judge. Mm. We are not asking you to do this lightly. We understand the threat but we also believe in your capabilities. Perform just as you have trained many times, and you will be fine. So, so you really want to weaponize the lizard? You want to turn it into, you know, America's next nuke? That's the big plan here? That's classified. Above even quantum tier. Oh, well, okay, I'll ask my dumber question. Godzilla can breathe in space? The old man with his big mechanical backpack and he's got this this tube on his face that allows him to breathe clean air. He stands up and he says, I've seen massive weapons put against Godzilla. I've watched him vaporize with my own eyes and he always comes back. I believe that whether Godzilla can breathe in space doesn't matter. We believe as long as he remains intact, he will remain useful. That's a skrunk of Excuse me, soldier? Nothing. Uh, well, you know what? No, I said that's a skrunk of I'll allow it. Thank for you. once, I agree with Roosevelt. Yeah. Hey, for uh, once. That's I'm not sure if this is a ruse test or not, but I agree with him. It, it is. It, it is not. It is not. 
Are you sure? She says, kind of sidling up to Ruse really quickly. Like, are you really sure? I'm so sure there's no cupcakes, there's no bananas, there's none of that. I'd never voluntarily take one of those anyways. I heard they do wrong buzzers when you get the answers wrong in a psych evaluation. What the fuck is that? Anyways. (laughs) As much as you want to protest, you do but it seems to fall on deaf ears. They simply remind you of the objectives of the mission. The rules of engagement are as follows. They do not want Godzilla to leave the area. They hope you do not sustain too much damage and they want no explosives used for concern of the local area. There is a small water reclamation unit and it would be lovely if they could be retrieved as well. Uh, do do they know we're coming for them? They've been radioed, and they know that help is on the way, yes. Does Roosevelt finish his drink? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he probably has finished two of these drinks in the time that he can. He probably orders one for the road like it's a to-go cup at Chili's. I walk towards the uh, elevator... And I act like, oh, I forgot that I had this glass in my hand. Chug it. I smash it on the ground. I say, Mazel Tov. And I walk inside the, <laughs> and I walk inside the elevator. I think Roosevelt likes that so much. He does the exact same Mazel Tov. Fuck you. And he drops a bird and chases in. Um, very impressed by what Ty is doing. Uh, just kind of toddling at his heels. Like, yeah, yeah, it was good. I'm going to do my job, but I ain't going to do it quietly. Yeah, and it's like, you're going to put me in front of Godzilla. I'm going to fucking kill Godzilla. <laughs> oh, and I try to shush him up because I don't know if the doors are closed yet. <laughs> As the doors of the elevator begin to close, you can hear someone in the summit go, now those are scronk and wild cards. <laughs> It seems like the summit is impressed, nonetheless. 